And I remember thinking to myself, gosh, I really just need to be kinder towards people and, and accepting. And it was like this, I heard this voice that said, well, maybe you should start with you. <laughs> and it was so powerful. And it was like, oh my gosh, that's like, I'm so hard on myself. And I'm always looking to take care of others. And I'm not being accountable to taking care of myself. And it was just all of a sudden, I was filled with like this love for myself. And it was so healing. And and it sounds like such a simple thing. But it, at, you know, 45, 46 years old, I didn't live that every day. A week or so ago, I shared some thoughts on my blog in response to reading Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. In brief, I'm very curious whether psychedelic therapy could work for me. I've shared at various points throughout this podcast that I've struggled with depression and anxiety throughout my years. I encourage you listeners to check out my blog post at colemanroadjournal.com and read Pollen's book. My post resulted in some intriguing exchanges. My mom called me and in her usual open-minded way expressed interest but also reservation. She and I talk a lot about Buddhism, meditation, and mindfulness. We're constantly recommending podcasts to each other on these subjects. Last time I visited, we even went to a sangha together. So I somewhat expected her thoughts that there are no shortcuts to enlightenment. Another close friend, who knows me well, excitedly engaged my Facebook post. Little did I know he'd long been an avid student of the psychedelic research genre, though never imbibing himself. He shares my motives to take the trip, but cautions in the words of Houston Smith, you can't force your way into the kingdom. Best not to take any drastic or dramatic action on this front. Like I've often felt, I'm terminally misunderstood. Enter Sadie. Out of the Facebook ether, she pinged me and said she had a story to tell. We barely know each other, but she felt compelled to reveal her own exploration of using psychedelics to gain better awareness of her true self and how she used the experience to accept who she is and be accountable to herself. Sadie describes her experience with peyote, ayahuasca, and psilocybin, also known as mushrooms. Surprising to someone of my background, she did not experiment early in her life, but waited until she was 45, when she had the maturity to have some well-thought-out intentions. Nomad Ramblings is a podcast about ordinary people who wander an unconventional path, whether internal or external, to shine a light for others to follow. I expect Sadie's path to be instructive for many of us. Welcome to the podcast, Sadie. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm psyched to have you on because I posted the that blog post regarding my curiosity with psychedelics. And you replied to me that, that you had read the book. So the, the, the post that I put out there was about Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, and, and it's focused on psychedelics. And so you responded to me that, that you had read the book, number one, but then you had also explored some of your own 
consciousness and I'll, I'll let you get into it, but that's, that was the way that I, I kind of understood it, that you, you took the principles of the book and explored using some psychedelics. So I'm really grateful that you, you reached out to me and, and psyched that you're able to talk about it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I was really excited when I saw your post because um, this has been a journey that I've been on for the last couple years. And I read or listened to Michael Pollan's book on audio tape a little while into it, I would say about a year and a half. And um, the book was great. I mean, I really appreciated how he uh, he kind of approached it from a very like the historical perspective was amazing. All the information he provided about kind of the American journey with psychedelics and how they were approached in the 20s very differently than they are today. And I loved that part of it. And then I had found just his approach to wanting to kind of understand the psychedelic realm in relationship to death, spirituality, um, and his you know, he's, he's an atheist. And so I, I appreciated his uh, being open to these experiences that he'd heard about and how it, how it had changed people's lives. And from the scientific kind of perspective of, for years, psychedelics have been kind of treated like this monster. They'll, you know, make you go crazy or make you have some sort of uh, mental illness. And, and I think that the sad part about that is that I have experienced and I've also seen other people experience um, how it really actually can help people that do have depression um, or OCD or, or other um, things that can be really debilitating, even migraines. I actually started my journey at 45, <laughs> a late bloomer. I had never done a psychedelic in, you know, as a teenager or anything like that. And, and the biggest reason was I was, I was really kind of scared of them. And I had seen lots of movies showing, oh, they're scary. They'll, you know, make you kind of lose it. And so, but as I got older, I was really fascinated by um, Native American cultures, um, mm -hmm. indigenous tribes, and kind of the approach to, you know, this country has a really a very negative approach towards mental health issues, isolating people, putting them away. And uh, indigenous tribes really from what I've learned, take those people in and help them to go through that. And that connection is really part of what helps them to heal. And um, I wanted to understand that better because I just think it's something that in our culture we've just really missed, you know, and that um, a lot of times when you see, you know, severe psych psychiatric issues, there's almost this, it's almost like there's something ab about some psychiatric conditions that people have a different they're just like in a different plane, um, and we're very uncomfortable about that in this in this culture. And so I have always, um, so as I, I learned more about indigenous cultures and um, Native American tribes, I was more interested in from a plant medicine perspective, not really like from like acid or anything like that, you know, anything that was strictly yeah. chemical to me was just, seemed just kind of counterintuitive to what I was seeking. And I struggled, I have struggled with depression my entire life. And I had some injuries the last few years that was, were causing severe migraines. And I had read a couple articles about microdosing with psilocybin to help with migraines. And, um, and there was, and with the research that I read, I was like, you know, they've been so demonized, but like, 
I, I know regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, they are part of the earth and there's a reason that they're here. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. and you know, it, it just, it just like seemed to me that there is, um, you know, and even like with DMT, which is one of the components of like ayahuasca is we have that in our body ourselves. And the DMT is what for ayahuasca creates, you know, the chemical, the reaction and the um, experience, so to speak. It's just in much higher doses that occur in us naturally. Right. Yeah. So I dabbled the first time well, I tried before, it. Yeah. yeah go ahead. <laughs> you got to yeah. jump in because I'll just <laughs> talk and talk. No, and I, I, and that's, that's kind of like, that's a, that's a good thing. And a bad thing about me is I'm, I'm actually a really good listener. But what ends up happening is I just let I end up letting people go on and on and on. And right. it, so anyway, I'm going to I'm jumping in. I'm getting Dr a certain, direct me. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to I, I guess I just wanted to connect with what you've shared so far. So and for those that are have listened to the podcast, they've they've likely heard me share some of my own issues. And, and so, again, to provide context to why I'm so interested in, in your experience. I, so I, I've been suffering from, and I, you know, I, I struggle even saying it. I have experienced depression and anxiety and mental health issues for as long as I can remember. And so that was definitely a draw for me with respect to this book. And I can certainly relate to what you were talking about with our, our culture does a really bad job with mental health. I've had experiences in the past, and I, I wrote a little bit about this in, in my blog post. I didn't get into the details, but I, I've had experience with the mental health industry, and they were very negative experiences. And I, I do understand that there are many professionals out there that are outstanding and they are good intentions, but th there's a, th there's kind of a group think corporate policy oriented insurance based, however you want to put it, right. that, that taints the experience and the treatment that they can deliver. And, and that's just been my experience. Yeah. And so you talking about identifying Native American cultures and indigenous cultures doing a better job at this and your own curiosity to pursue some techniques that they've used and some methods that they've used and that, you know, that that's an intuitive understanding or wisdom that I certainly didn't have in in my own experience growing up and and I'm I I guess I'm um I'm a little less pure than you are because <laughs> you know when I when I was younger in in my teens and early 20s I you know I I drank a lot I smoked a lot of weed and I I did dabble a little bit in the in the psychedelics but it was for recreational purposes it had nothing to do with any kind of spiritual exploration or, or understanding, you know, consciousness or what have you. So anyway, I, I commend you for, you know, having, having that, that wisdom and that curiosity and, and probably the discipline too to <laughs> wait until, 
being a little bit more mature in, in exploring this. And just so the audience knows, I'm the the very interest that I have in this is I I am interested in addressing these the the fact that I'm prone to depression, the fact that I'm prone to anxiety. And just to add another layer onto it, you, you know, I've I've never gotten in trouble with the law. I've never gotten in trouble with my work situation, but I have made the decision to stop drinking and smoking pot just because I knew that those things are depressants. And if, if I was going to get a handle on these issues that I've got, you know, I don't want to pour gasoline on that fire. So that's that's some of the complication that I bring to this subject is that I'm I'm just wary about falling into any more crutches for these issues. I want solutions. I don't want any more crutches. So anyway, I just wanted to connect with what you had said and provide a little bit more context as to where I'm coming from in exploring this. So I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. I, and, and it sounded like you, you had been in curious, you got, you got curious in using plant-based medicine prior to reading the book and then so yeah go go ahead and please yeah yeah and 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 to kind of add um a little bit to that so i have like a family history of drug and alcohol abuse so at a very young age i stayed i stayed away from that stuff because i saw what it did around me and and so that escapism i i totally understand that and i've seen that um and that was really why my approach was the way it was. It was not, it was more unearthing like my issues <laughs> rather than trying to cover them up. And I think that that, you know, I think that psychedelics can definitely be used as an escapism. Wait, did, did I, so did I understand what you just said? You, you saw that, that, that like marijuana and drinking would unearth your problems? No, no, it, no, no I, opposite. Like, no, I saw the people around me using that at a very young age to cover up their issues. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and in my journey so far with psychedelics, it was really more wanting to use them as a tool medicine to unearth my issues or my hangups, so to speak. Uh, okay. And, and, and initially um, I had a friend so I had basically t- talked with this friend and, and I knew that he had, we had talked about mushrooms and, and he had um, grown them before. And so the first time I did it was in a very, um, you know, I'm curious about this. It's in a very safe environment, very low dose. I call, I call it the kind of the playground of, you know, real light, just kind of visually kind of opened my eyes to just the things around me looking different and kind of elevated the mood in a um, looking at things differently. Um, the other piece was with the migraines that I was suffering at the time. Um, I started microdosing, um, which basically is like minimal, like it's just like a fingertip of um, dried um, uh, psilocybin and it doesn't bring on any of the effects or anything. It makes you a little light sensitive, but, and I practiced that for a few months and it really helped my, with my, the migraines that I was experiencing. So from that perspective, 
Go ahead. Was this in your was this in your like thirties moving no, into no. your forties? This it? was at forty five the first time I did it. So oh, okay. it's been okay. it's only been two yeah. and a half two and a half years. <laughs> okay. Um, and so it was very, you know, I was very cautious and and in kind of getting started with this, and then I found I learned that in the state of Arizona, so I was with the interest that I had in, in Native American culture and their approach to plant medicine, I, I had became interested in peyote and started doing some research and actually found that in the state of Arizona, there, there are certain laws that protect you with peyote. And actually, so in all 50 states, peyote is legal for a, someone of a native, native tribe to grow and consume. There are only five states in the United States that it's illegal for a non-native indigenous person to partake. And Arizona happens to be one of them. And it does require a, an affiliation from a spiritual perspective um, to legally partake in it. Um, and there is a completely legal place in um, Arizona. It's north of Wilcox and it's called the Peyote Way Church. And there's a couple there that have been doing this work for about 40 years. Um, they have a beautiful ranch in a pretty, really pretty area. And they, um, when you join the church, basically um, you're allowed to visit for a three-day ceremony. And they have a website and all that information is available there. It's uh, org. And so I contacted them and said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this and um, I have some questions. Annie, um, um, one of the, Matt and Annie are the two that run the church. And um, she had recommended some books for me to read. And she was very, very cautious. She said, don't go read a bunch of books about what your experience will be like. Keep it really, in, you know, individual. Make sure you make clear what your intentions are with the medicine and focus on that um, when you come out. And um, she she recommended I can't remember the names of the books, but there's a there's a whole series of books about peyote that can get a little dark. And she said definitely don't read those. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and she said you know it's really individual. And, and she said a lot of times people will come with kind of this preconceived idea of what it's going to be like, and and they're either disappointed or you know or whatever. She said they they tend to contact them later and and talk about how it affected them in their life after they left um, and how the medicine continued to work. So I booked a three-day trip out there and one of the, their, um, they have some guidelines and stuff. So when you come, there's no, no drinking, no alcohol or no, um, any other, you know, no drugs, no marijuana. They um, require you to fast for 24 hours on site before your ceremony. Oh, wow. Yeah, they call them and they refer to them as spirit walks. You don't actually walk around, but um, you walk around in your mind. And so, um, thing is the fasting a is that like a ceremonial or is there more of a a practical application to that? I think there's a little bit of both. It's um, you know part of the where the ranch is at is it's very it's remote and they want you to kind of detoxify from the outer world digitally there's no cell service out there you're you stay in in, in the little ranch house there's lots of um, spiritual books and things to read I and mean, you just kind of hang out there for a day the other aspect of the fast is that peyote is is kind of difficult it takes a little while for it to get into your system and 
if you throw it up before a certain time period, it it won't it won't work. It takes about three to four hours for it to really absorb into your st- system through your stomach. And so it's a slow medicine. And, um, you know, you'll see movies where people like chug it and and then, you know, they throw up and then they have this crazy trip. That's totally not reality. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the, the doors, the, the movie The Doors with Val Kilmer comes to yeah, mind where yeah. they're in the desert. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's totally not what happened. <laughs> And they have a pretty well, you know, they've been doing this for 40 years. So they have a tried and true system that they use. They make a tea out of it. And the they recommend that you sip it very slowly, very small amounts, because your body wants to, you know, it's very bitter. So your body wants to reject it. And you, an, another part of their, the spirit walk that's really neat that I really connected with is that they have small areas that you, you pick where you want to have your spirit walk. And they're, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's just beautiful country and they have little shelters built and, and fire rings. And when you're after your 24 hour fast, you go out in the evening to your, your place that you've picked, you get your tea and you're out there communing with nature and just by yourself. And so it's very, one, I love, you know, spending time out in the outdoors and being connected with nature. And it's just this amazing, kind of setting for the spirit walk. And so you you spend time just taking the medicine in really slowly. I did some journaling and started to do some art and stuff and just really thought about my intentions and why why I was seeking this path and and what I wanted to learn. And it took about about four or five hours before I really started feeling anything. And, and you're, 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 you're alone. You're, mm-hmm. you're completely, is it? So no one is watching over you. No one's going to take you back from the edge. If you start to have any issues, um, they leave it open. Yeah. In the space that you are, um, they have found just in our culture in the U S um, with peyote, like in, in uh, South America, generally peyote is done in group settings. And they've tried that before at the church and it can cause, we tend to bring people into our issues. And so people, so when you're doing it in a group setting here in the States, it can get a little confusing and they don't monitor your hangout with you. Now they do, you're not very far away from the house. If you need help, it's just not that far away. And they leave that you know, totally open if you need help or you need to talk to somebody to come to the house, but they don't um, sit out there with you or anything. It's, they just advise you to let the spirits guide you or however Mm. you connect. And I think that for me, that wasn't, that wasn't that scary. One, I think for some people probably being out in the middle of the desert by themselves is scary enough. (laughs) For me, I do it all the time. So I didn't have that so kind of setting. You're essentially a badass. You're, you're, you're a badass. <laughs> I, I got it. I got it. Um, but they do have like some of their ceremony areas or spirit walk areas are very near the house. So people that aren't quite as comfortable with that, you know, could be closer. And and literally there's there's deacons of the church and people that, they, you know, are have are available for you before if you have questions or you want to talk they're available after or if you have something come up in the middle of the night you're totally you know why you're having your spirit walk because you stay out all night and that's part of the the process is you're not tired you stay up all night and it's not 
there's no effort to it. You know, so your your body feels a little heavy, but you're not tired. You're alert. And it's not like what I found since since I've done other things now at the time I had only done um, the psych- uh, psilocybin. Peyote at the amount, I didn't have like, like huge visual things. I mean, there was definitely, you know, the plants, things look different. It was almost like you could kind of see their energy, but it was more the conversation going on inside of me that, you know, I went through um, evaluating situations and, and things and how I was being in my life, how I was interacting with people, what my priorities were, was I listening to myself um, and taking care of myself. And my intentions when I went out there was really to be more compassionate and loving towards other people. And through the night, it was, um, my dog is all excited. She's like, what are you talking? Who are you talking to? (laughs) Can I get on this? And it was really interesting as I went through the night, it's kind of an emotional ride. Like um, I cried a lot and then I would get real, kind of take a step back and, and I found things humorous. And, and then at one point, it was pretty early in the morning or late at night, depending on how you want to look at it. And, and I remember thinking to myself, gosh, I really just need to be kinder towards people and, and accepting. And it was like this, I heard this voice that said, well, maybe you should start with you. <laughs> and it was so powerful. And it was like, oh my gosh, that's like, I'm so hard on myself and I'm always looking to take care of others and I'm not being accountable to taking care of myself. And it was just all of a sudden I was filled with like this love for myself and it was so healing. And, and it sounds like such a simple thing, but it, at, you know, 45, 46 years old, I didn't live that every day. Yeah. If you don't, I want to, yeah, pick your brain yeah. a little yeah. bit about that. So I, I certainly know at this point in my life that I, I, I am not very good at loving myself. I'm very hard at myself. I'm critical. I have this critical voice always going in my voice. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I also have come to understand that I, I can be very mean to other people and it's not intentionally, it's just a reflection of how I feel about myself and how I treat myself. And I say all that because I, I, I've been working on myself for a long time and I've known, I've known this about myself for a long time. And when I say a long time, so I'm, I'm approaching 45 right now. And I I would say in my early to mid thirties, I was very aware that I had Mm self-contempt and I, I couldn't control it. And so I'm, I'm curious whether, whether you had a strong sense of your, your own lack of compassion toward yourself is is that something that you've long known or is that something that resulted from this experience with peyote? Um, I have known my whole life that, that I was um, not very nice to myself. And now I'm one of those people that I'm the first person to say really nice things to other people most of the time. <laughs> I have my moments where I get snarky. But I've always focused externally on taking care of others. And one of the things that 
And, and so what would happen in that process is I was very negative towards my the way I looked, my weight. If someone loved me or was attracted to me, there must be something wrong with them. Why would they like me? And mm. so that would erode. I kind of would, I would get really close to people and then I would really back away from them because I was af- mm-hmm. afraid of one, what their intent was because I couldn't fathom that they really cared about me. And now I've done a lot of work on myself, but that was pervasive. That was also the basis for a lot of my depression um, and anxiety was how I felt about myself. And I, it was almost like I overcompensated for that externally towards others. If I'm really kind and help people, they'll like me. But then it's like, well, why do they like me? And it was very destructive to my psyche that kind of putting myself out to the, to the point where it would go beyond what was healthy for me, for others. And then I, and then it was like, um, I would either get very angry and resentful that they were just using me. And then they were like, of course they're using you. Why would they want to be your friend anyway or or your lover or whatever? And it was a very destructive kind of thing. And so the f- interesting thing when I, you know, my intention in going and doing peyote was to be more forgiving and loving towards other people, <laughs> right? Well, Again. That's what I think is fascinating yeah. is that even though you knew it, you 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 still were your intention was to focus on yes. others and, and give to others. That's- yeah. And, and one of the things through the process it is, and this has taken a little bit more time because, you know, there's things that I found right away with peyote kind of clicked for me, but then there's the medicine keeps working um, and, and you keep looking at your life in a certain way and, and kind of pulling things back. And so with this particular issue of mine when you know and when I realized oh I need to love myself I, I need to really I really need to do that in a real way not just in a I love myself you know hey I'm fabulous no in a real deep caring way and and then probably a year later as that work kind of well, wait, wait before you go yeah. on do you do you feel like peyote made it easier for you to love yourself? So in other words, did you actually experience for the first time like a genuine self-love? Yes, yes. Because that's, it was, that's one thing that I can say, like, like I I don't know if I've ever achieved that. Right. And that's, so anyway. For me, for me, on. yeah. That was um, really the first time that I, I had said all the words before, you have to love yourself before you can love. I had said all that. I didn't, and I and I knew it intellectually. I didn't really know it in my heart what that mm. what that felt like and what that meant. And it was like, and this is one of the things why I think plant medicine is so powerful in helping people with these issues because it's like, it's just it's removes your your peels back your all your defense mechanisms to those things that, um, and it just it gets down to the raw. Here it is, and you can't argue with it. It just, it shows you in a way that down to your core, whatever your thing is, you know, like, I think it's different for everybody, but I think for, um, for a lot of people, it's that core loving yourself is a, is a, is a big issue in this country and in this world. And for me, it was like, wow, I thought I was so, so understanding of these things, but it, it wasn't until that experience that I really went and and felt it down to really my core. And I, and I've, I, when I looked in the mirror the next day, I was like, 
oh my God, I, I really do. I not only love you, I really like who you are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and it was, it was really, really powerful. And you, you used the, you just used the expression a few minutes ago, the medicine keeps working. Mm -hmm. And then you were going to, you were going to talk about yeah. a year later. And so that I, I, I just had a conversation yesterday with my mom because she, she read my, my post and, you know, she thought it was interesting, but then she was also like, Worried. you know, there are no shortcuts. She's, she's all about Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so the, I, I resonate with the idea that there are no shortcuts, but it, what I'm, what I'm grappling with is that I don't, I don't even know what I'm aiming towards. So right. like you just said, there's like an intellectual realization like, yes, I love myself. I'm a good person. I'm smart. I do great things and I can, you know, list them out on a piece of paper, but I don't, it, it's like smelling colors. Like yes. I have no idea what the sensation of self-love is. And so you just hit on something that, that just, I got to say it before. Um, so sure. smelling color. So one of the things that can happen when you're doing a psychedelic is synesthesia. And, you know, like smelling color or um, seeing music. And, and it, so that to me is like a key to like loving yourself. I don't know what that feels like. All of a sudden you get the ability to feel it. And so in this, and when you use the expression, the medicine keeps working, even though you're not taking it, right. obviously, on a daily basis, you're, you're moving through your life now a year, year and a half later, and you're still, you still carry that knowledge and that ability. Is that, is that fair to say? I would, yeah. So I, the way that I would describe it is that I would say the medicine continues to show you things. So even though you're not, you know, like I, you know, I, I, I did peyote twice in, in a year, you know, six months apart. And what I found, like when I went home after the first time, so a couple other things that it, that it showed me after the fact was with food. I have always had a very, food is my drug of choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And Every I ate a full pizza earlier today, like a full <laughs> pizza. So I, I, yeah, it, I, I, yeah, it's like it's it, it totally like um you know it oh it feels this is comfort I'm eating what I you know want and then of course you feel awful afterwards but one of the things that probably for a good two months after was anything that was even suggestive of manufacturing or not organic, <laughs> I could taste chemicals to the point mm. of things that I loved, food that I ate on a regular basis. And I have a pretty, pretty healthy diet. I tend to um, eat healthy food and even, even the stuff I splurge on, but like even like granola bars, things that were manufactured, I would be like, oh, oh my God, I can taste some sort of chemical in this. And so my, my diet really changed. And it was almost like my taste buds and how my, the, how my brain was reacting to food was like, this is something, this is a piece of food that I love, that I love to eat. And all of a sudden I'm tasting it, the real thing for the first time. And I'm like, oh my God, this isn't good for me. 
I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> and that was really, it was really weird for a long time. Now I don't have that reaction anymore, but I remember it. So certain foods I just don't eat anymore. And some of them were like what I thought was really healthy, but they had a lot of sugar. They had, they were processed, even though they were healthy and organic, right? They still had manufacturing process going on to, to create them. And so even though I don't have that initial reaction, if I eat those things, I still think about it when I go to eat them. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like my conscious is going really. <laughs> and I, you know, it's like I, it's an awareness. And, and I, I've talked, not everybody has that experience when they, when they do peyote or, or any other. But I think for me, that was one of the things that opened my eyes to it, to the food. Mm. And then, that, on, go ahead. I was just going to say that, that that makes sense. If we're all the, these experiences on the psychedelics, as I, as I understand it through Pollen's book and talking to others and even listening to you now, I mean, this is it's individualized therapy. Exactly. It makes perfect sense that if that's if that's been one of your crutches, right. that you 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 gather insight about it. Yeah. And like Pollen talked about in the book, he he talked about those people that had terminal cancer, they would take they would have guided psychedelic therapy and they would confront their fear of dying. Yeah. And and so it's it's a strange, it's it's a strange substance. It's a strange plant medicine that meets you where you're at. It, it it's exactly that's exactly right, and that's the um, I think the power of it to be so individualized, and it's and it's interesting um, because I think that that's for me now with ayahuasca and with peyote, I'm not quite sure why anybody would want to do that for recreational purposes, <laughs> because going through that, there, um, ayahuasca especially is a tough medicine. I mean, it physically, pain, you know, that it, it puts you through the paces. It shows you things that if you're not open to dealing with would probably be really terrifying. And I think that you know, with mushrooms, I mean, you can go there if you do too many, which I've done. Um, but, you know, in a recreational amount, you do get the visuals and stuff like that. But when you're with ayahuasca and, and with peyote, it's 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 not, to me, I don't see the draw of just, like, as an escape. It just, it, it, it's it's like bringing your stuff up and showing it to you. And if you're, if your goal is to escape with those medicines, you're either not going to, you're not going to get the the medicine and, and what it's trying to do, or you'll probably kind of have a bad trip. So what, how did, how did ayahuasca come up on your radar and interest you? Um, so I, I, and I, and I guess may, maybe I should ask the question in a broader way. So it sounds like You've experimented with peyote, ayahuasca, and psilocybin, the mushrooms. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So um, how, how, how did how you did make I the determination? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what, like, yeah. So how did you choose? How did you make those choices? Was that a guidance by Native Americans? Was that well uh, with I, more- uh, with ayahuasca? Um, I first got interested in it in 
uh, there's a a book. Um, I have to look it up. Yeah, and if you if you if you know you can continue talking yeah. about it and yeah. put the notes in the notes the the title of the book. So go, gotcha. Go ahead. Okay. So um, so there was a physician, a guy that was going to medical school. Um, that he was having all sorts of issues and he heard about the peyote way church and he though he got made his way through medical school because of his visits to the peyote way church and helping him to connect he was so disconnected um, from himself and he wrote a book that he actually started after he um, got his medical license he started going to um, peru and doing ayahuasca ceremonies. And he actually ha uh, partnered with a local shaman there to create a, um, a, a retreat center to do ayahuasca ceremonies um, with specifically people from the U.S. and from the Western world. And so I, I read this book while I was at, at the Peyote Way Church and thought, hmm, well, maybe I'll go to Peru. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And then I found out that there was a very quietly passed, it's actually went all the way to the Supreme Court, ruling that ayahuasca could be used legally in the United States in relation to a spiritual practice. And so there are groups around the United States that do ayahuasca ceremonies under the umbrella of a spiritual center. And so I found out about one of those. And I had started working with a shaman. So um, Go ahead. Like, what's the so? How is it? How is it described differently? So, you know, I, I if I'm if I'm just unlearned guy, and I actually I, I don't know. Like, so what's the difference? What is the fundamental difference between ayahuasca and peyote? And and what was in that book that was like, yeah, I gotta try that. Um. So for me. It's a different, so it's a, it's a different type, it's a different plant medicine. It, DMT is its active ingredient. And it works a little faster. It's, and so, letting the dog out. <laughs> um, it's a little bit faster and I felt like I wanted to see kind of like I really connected with peyote, but I wanted to kind of see what what's different about different plant medicines. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and so with um, ayahuasca, it's very quick acting. It's actually done in a group ceremony, which was different than what I had experienced. There are usually about twenty to twenty-five people, and they have several guides um, that help you through that. They also have I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, they have like when you go to Peru, the shamans as they, you know, they make the the ayahuasca and the they sing while they do it. And there's a certain term. I want to say mascaros or something like that. Totally, probably butchering that. There are these beautiful songs that help you um, through your experience. They'll bring up emotions and they kind of have like if you're having you know if you're having a difficult time as you're processing um some you know they'll start singing and um it just kind of helps ease you through that um whatever it is that you're being shown and challenged with and i was a little you know i i was really interested in from a group kind of experience that 
I just wanted to see what it was all about to help me continue to, you know, um, see the world in a different way. I found that physically ayahuasca was a lot like peyote's hard hard to take in, not really great tasting. With ayahuasca, it's it's just a kind of a shot of liquid and pretty much I started feeling it within 15 minutes of taking it, mm. um, where peyote was four to five hours of getting there. And it, it's very much ayahuasca is a purging plant medicine. And when I say purge, I mean in a bodily way. <laughs> um, and it shows and it shows up very different for different people. So some people throw up, some people comes out the other end. Um, I did not throw up. I did not um, have diarrhea or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yep. Now I can. Yep. Um, so like some people, they'll throw up. Other people will have diarrhea. Um, I like probably went pee like 20 times. <laughs> it's like a two hour period. It was, it was very interesting. And it, there's also, I, I, you know, I mean, I think it, there's also this kind of group collective thing that kind of seems to get tapped into where everybody seems to be connected to each other, which I found fascinating. And, I, and that's, that's actually, so the, the main, one of the main takeaways from Pollen's book was the idea that, that psychedelics can guide you on an ego dissolution it, having it, it'll guide you into a ego dissolution experience, and the the other side of that coin is that you're connected to everything. Yes. And so, yes. would that would you describe it as an ego dissolution, or was it just like a really intense connection with other people? Um, I, I think it's a little little bit of both. It was like. Um, you kind of, you kind of go, it was almost like a rebirth process of just feeling like you're at the mercy of everything and you're so alone. And then it's like, all of a sudden you realize, oh, and wait, I'm not alone. I'm connected to all these people and I can feel these people. And, and so it was, it was kind of like terror and then redemption. I am, wow. I am, I'm not alone. And, and it was pretty, I mean, people, I only did one night, people go to Peru and they'll do five or six nights. And I'm not sure what that is like, but, um, <laughs> but for, for me, it was like, all of a sudden there was all these people that I could, I am like, you would hear someone across the room and they would be either in pain or going through something and you just felt like this love and you wanted to comfort them and you, it was almost like you could just send it to them. And, and then that would happen for you. And, and then pe and people would talk about it. You know, there were, you, you know, you kind of go through this, you're, you're again up all night and there was a, we had a fire that we could go down to and, and, and talk near the fire when you were, and then you would, where you laid and stuff, you, you didn't talk. That was kind of one of the the rules of if you wanted to talk to go down by the fire, but you could hear people crying or suffering or going through what they were going through. And you could, and then the, when they would come around and do the song, it was almost like they were right almost inside your head. Like it was so close and it felt like they were singing just for you. And it was, it, it was just a really communal connected feeling and I think were the, shaman, were the shamans partaking as well? Yes. Or were they? Yes. 
they work. Yeah. Yeah, and that's quite common in in South America um, and in, um, I think that I have heard of people, I've met a couple of people that have done ayahuasca ceremonies by themselves, just with their own shaman, but that they, that shaman didn't, didn't partake. And I'm not, yeah, it would be kind of, I don't know, there's something about ayahuasca that I would, it felt like it needed to be in a group where with peyote, it, it, I don't think I, I don't think I would have, um, had a good as a good of experience with peyote if there was other people there it was so much more was there, in your head. with with respect to your intentions so th this is after you did peyote and you in one of the the realizations that that came from peyote was the you know your your need to love and accept yourself and have compassion toward yourself so was was that an intention that you brought into the ayahuasca ceremony and and how if so how how did that play out and if not what was your intention mm. that you brought in so with ayahuasca i had a, my intention was a little different than when i had gone into my peyote ceremony my intention for ayahuasca was around jealousy it was something that i was dealing with very frequently that was coming up for me and I, you know, it's very, it's a really ugly experience. The interesting thing through the ayahuasca, <laughs> it pointed me back to <laughs> why are you feeling jealous? Mm. Because you're not feeling good about yourself. You're, wow. and, it, and it all kind of pointed back to loving myself. It just in a different, it was showing up in a different way. And this is that peeling back of of things for me that really I saw over the, the year, year and a half of my patterns in in put in in relationships, romantic relationships, friendships with my family, my parents is focused on taking care of them and not taking care of myself. And then either being resentful or running myself into an unhealthy space physically, mentally. And so the interesting kind of gift that came out of a lot of this work for me was, okay, you love yourself. Now you've got to hold yourself accountable, which means when you love someone, you treat them well. When you love someone, you're kind to them. And and so as I went through these experiences in my day-to-day -day life, I had to make a change. I had to realize and I had to actually make the decision to hold myself accountable to taking care of myself first and foremost. And what and what that looked like for me was someone would come into my life that needed help. Now I, I like helping people and I want to help people, but I would give up all my energy to that person and I would make decisions that I knew were not right for me. And so what I had to learn and realize in that, in, in, in that lesson for me was you can help people and you can help them grow and learn. Part of it is letting them feel their pain. I would try to take people's pain away and the lessons that they needed to learn 
And so I would focus on that and I would ignore my own shit. Right. And so I had to learn to say, I'm here to support you and love you and guide you. But you have to do the work. You have to take the step. If I care more about your well-being than you do, you're you're not going to grow and learn and, and figure out what you need. And as, at the same time, I had to look at myself and go, am I helping this person to truly help them, which means sometimes they're going to have to feel the pain, or am I helping them to distract myself from my own stuff? And that's changed my life in like big ways. But I would say that took about a year and a half to really almost two years to really come to. And, and I think that the experiences that I had all built, built on that, where I think there were dramatic things that happened with the plant medicines. And then there was quieter things that took longer to kind of uh, fill out and, and fill in my blank spots where I needed them. Wow. That's, um, that's pretty amazing. I, first off, I, I strongly relate to your, to those patterns that you described of giving, giving your energy to other people. And it's a subtle, it's a subtle thing, or maybe subtle is not the right word. It's a complex thing because the the intention, the intent there there is intention within that action, and it's a good intention. So to, right. to help another person is a good thing, but like you just said, it, there there's a cost to that where you give away your energy that you can't you can't give to yourself. And then I, I was also really struck by you saying that that sometimes it can be a distraction. Helping others, giving yourself to other people can simply be a distraction from having to deal with your own shit. If I'm paraphrasing what you what you said correctly. Yeah, and I think the 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 pieces that really struck me was how we help people is really important. If we try to carry their load for them, we're doing them a disservice. It's kind of like that, the whole, the, the, the butterfly, the story, the butterfly, if you open the cocoon for it, its wings are not strong. And that was what I, how I was helping people was I was doing, doing their thing for them, doing, taking their burden on and and then what i realized was is helping truly helping people to move along in their path looks very different um Mm. and and that's what i had to learn was that how to support them and then leave it in their court and and not um you know what so like when somebody has trouble articulating things i will fill in the blanks right and so i had to (laughs) No, you need you you tell me what's going on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna translate it for you. And that was um, you know, that that we we each have our burden and in that learning why that burden is there and why we have that 
if I, if if someone doesn't do the the work, and this is key to like what your mom was concerned about about doing the work, and that's the thing I think that when you I have found with plant medicines is that oh it's still hard work. <laughs> there is no getting out of the actual. It's like it peels away. It's almost like it peels away the bullshit so you can actually start doing the work. And sometimes in this culture and in our world, we need that help. And there's a reason these plants have been around for bazillion years, right? I don't know if that's right. Uh, (laughs) I get it. Yeah, But it's like there's a, a reason in it. There's a you know, we are, we are part of nature and nature is part of us. And there are um, chemicals in our body that, that resonate with these plant medicines. And, and I think that is like, I don't want an easy road. I don't want, I don't want the easy way out because that to me, an easy way out usually has a big pitfall at the end, (laughs) you know, has something, it's like alcohol, things that we learn to make ourselves feel better in a type way become a problem, right? They help us short term, but they become a problem. And what I've seen is that plant medicine is a way to look at the problem and uncover the problem so that you can deal with it. Because sometimes we don't even know, I don't even know what location I'm going to. So I, how do I know the path kind of thing? It's, it's um, so part of my conundrum and part of my argument I, and I don't, I don't know if I articulated this in my in my post, but I I had some follow up exchanges with someone on Facebook about it. So this idea of a shortcut and don't. So the argument is, you know, don't use psychedelics because it's a shortcut. So my situation, what what I'm grappling with is that I I am taking an antidepressant right now, mm. and so you know, in my head, I'm like, well aren't I taking a shortcut right now? Like with this antidepressant, like aren't, aren't I, aren't, aren't I using a crutch of, of some means? And, and why is that crutch? Okay. Acceptable than, <laughs> because it's a yeah, pharmaceutical. <laughs> so someone was making the argument that like, well, you know, you don't, I would encourage you to not do anything drastic and dramatic. And I'm like, fucking a like isn't like putting a chemical into my body like a pharmaceutical and and these things we don't know what they really do and yeah yeah, we know that they tend to lose efficacy Mm -hmm. um over the period of a year or two and then you've got to switch to a higher dose or another medication or a cocktail of medications i'm like so what's what's more drastic what's more dramatic me going through a series of well-intentioned and and for me, the guided process is really important. And that's, that's something that Pollen talks about. You're working with professionals, whether those who have worked in the area, like it sounds like with the peyote church and doing this group experience with the ayahuasca with shamans, that's, that's, that's pregnant with intention and that's also guided by professionals in my mind. But anyway, that's, that's where I'm kind of coming at this from where I'm looking at the fact like, okay, just to a certain extent, I've accepted that I have mental disease or whatever it is. And so I'm taking this medication, but here's this other thing 
that is showing promise. And, you know, I look at your experience and, and it seems as though you've gone through an acceleration of uh, awareness. And like you also said, it's not like, it's, it's not like you've taken a magic pill and you don't need to do any work to make progress. Yeah. You've identified yeah. that, okay, I've had these realizations and now I've got to apply these realizations to my life. And that's not an easy thing. And so that's, that's where I'm coming at all of this from. And I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm convincing yeah. myself right now. To take <laughs> it, but. Well, and here's the thing. So I, I've taken antidepressants before, so I've been there. Um, I obviously I'm not a doctor, but I do find some interesting things about, you know, what's what's socially acceptable. We have people kill themselves all the time on antidepressants. <laughs> so there is a lot about antidepressants that are not tested and the long term effects. And I think one of the things that 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 I have seen regularly with taking antidepressants is talk therapy that 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 helps um, the process. You, you can't do psychedelics while taking an antidepressant because it conflicts with the brain, the stuff that is going on in the brain. And you can either, if I understood correctly in the research that I did was, is that it either just won't work because those chemicals are filling those receptors in your brain, or you could have a, a bad reaction. And so there is a whole weaning process that you have to go through with um, antidepressants if if you're if that's the route that you're going to take, which you know that would be an individual's person's choice and uh, making sure they do all that kind of safely and you know with some sort of doc guidance with doctors. Now, I know that especially in California, like guided sessions with therapists are now being that's actually being researched and tested. I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but now kind of more with the blessing of the, of, of the government, so to speak. I would, for myself, I hadn't been on antidepressants for years. And so for me, that, that wasn't an issue. The depression, I was still, I was still had a low grade depression and sometimes it would get really bad. But I had had such a bad experience on pharmaceuticals that I was willing to try what some people would think was radical. But the more that I learned about it, the more it didn't seem so radical. And after trying psychedelics, the interesting thing was I had to continue to do the work. The depression just didn't disappear. I mean, there was times after doing a ceremony where I was, you know, I was more elevated in mood, um, more creative, more in touch with myself. But I had to keep working on those things that I had seen and had been shown. And I can say I've had a really rough year health-wise. And I, I would say I've probably had the best year from a mood perspective, even with those health issues, which you know, five years ago would have sent me in, a, in a, an emotional tailspin, which is, it was, was pretty significant for me to be, um, my health issues were always something that would like throw me into a depression because I felt like I'm, I'm going to be sick forever. This is never going to get better. And the issues that I had this year, while I was physically, um, I had a, I had a um, Epstein-Barr virus flare up which is like 
<laughs> mono on steroids, basically. <laughs> and um, oh, I and, heard about that. Yeah, and it was really like physical from a physical standpoint for three almost three weeks. It was just difficult for me to get up and go to the bathroom, let alone actually do anything. And so, but I didn't get this what I would say despondent feeling that I have in the past of, I knew that it was temporary and that I would figure out what was going on because at the time I didn't know what it was, but I didn't, I didn't get kind of swallowed down into that. Now through the last two and a half years, I, I ha it's not that I haven't had low points. It's that I've, I've learned how to approach them in a different way that doesn't take me down like it used to. And, and from an anxiety standpoint, I've always used my anxiety really well <laughs> um, to be an overachiever, <laughs> to yeah. work crazy hours and stuff. And that was the other thing that changed significantly was I'm not a workaholic anymore. I'm like, yeah, 60 hours um, a week. Yeah, no, no interest in doing that. And that was actually probably harder than the depression, that that drive and that anxiety to achieve, you know, that was what drove me to achieve. And uh, that's been an even bigger change for me of really getting in touch with what I want in my life. And, and, and that goes right back to that accountability piece. Um, it's the same thing. It's, wow, I'm putting in 20 extra hours a week for a job that has no accountability to me 10 years down the road, you know. And so why am I spending the best, you know, years of my life doing those things? And, the, and those things all go back to that that big piece that I learned about caring about myself and loving myself and doing what's right for me and holding myself accountable and not getting distracted with, well, I'll go focus on this person or this job project or whatever, um, because that right. keeps me from from what I need to do and the work I need to do. But wow. yeah, it's, you know, um, and now I will say, <laughs> I also had a really big screw up in all this and all this. And I think it's important to talk about while this has been, I would not trade what I've learned and the experience I've had. I did get a little, um, I started working with a, a shaman with psilocybin, someone who has a lot of experience um, in helping people through those things. And I, I uh, didn't follow the rules one night. <laughs> And I did way more than I should have. And that was, I think, it's a cautionary tale of if you are working with someone, that there's a reason that they tell you certain things. And I got a little cocky and um, did way too much and threw myself into a pretty significant situation where... Um, I kind of lost it. Um, I what I, I basically felt like I had died <laughs> and transitioned into this um, place of purgatory, and had a bit of what I would say a, a disconnect with reality. And with psilocybin, taken in large doses, can bring on hardcore anxiety. And I wound up having to be treated for it. And that was a pretty um, eye-opening experience and got into a little bit of trouble with my shaman um, <laughs> in regards. <Wow>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that that's a, it's an important thing to say where I went from being very, very cautious to going, oh, 
my life is changing. Things are going really good. I'm just going to kind of go off the deep end and um, got my ass handed to me. And, um, and I think that that's a, um, I wasn't ready to, I, I think, uh, to see the things at that dose that I was being shown. And uh, so it was a good lesson for me in, in going, you, you know, that, and I don't know if it was, I don't know, part of me thinks um, because I have such a really strong desire down the road to learn how to facilitate journeys for people and help them with the things that I have learned and how to assist myself in, in dealing with the issues that are, are causing roadblocks in my life. I think that uh, I, I was a little overzealous in the time timeline <laughs> of getting up to speed. <laughs> kind of thing. Were, were you, were you in the presence of your shaman and you just were like, yeah, I got this and, and went with it or. No, he was guiding. So he was, um, giving me instructions on my sessions by myself that I was doing on my own. And I felt like he was being too, uh, conservative with the amount <laughs> that I was taking. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was silly. It was really silly. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah. well, I, and I, I, and I appreciate you, you sharing that, that element of the story and that, cause that, that is important for, for people and for myself to hear. Well, let, let's, we should probably wrap up the conversation, but I want to wrap it up on that note that you just left that, that idea that you're interested in helping others. I mean, if I understood you correctly, use plant medicine to be a positive thing in their, in their life. Is that, did, did I capture that right? And what, what's that about? Yeah, that is, one of my long-term goals um, in the next year or so in continuing with my work, how to guide people. And I think for myself, some of the things that I have learned is that through this process, we really help ourselves, but having parameters is important, as I just stated, <laughs> um, because I didn't follow those parameters, right? I, I put myself at risk and in, 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 in not a, not in a, I was going to die or anything like that. It was, it was, um, it, that's what it felt like, but in a more of a not being able to come back from where I was at from reality. And I think I, I see so much good that um, that plant medicines have has done for people from, a, um, you know, depression, addiction, um, creativity, unlocking, you know, um, the creativity and which is what I've learned is for me, like creativity is all about self-love and letting that out your ideas and your dreaming wild and big and living life big and what, you know, what you really want it to be. And um, I think that in this day and age, we're getting to a place in this world where um, people really are searching for lots of different things. But when it comes right down to it is the um, connection is something that we seem to have lost in our culture of how to really connect with people. And the way that, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that we try to connect that are positive, but then there's also the ways that we try to connect that aren't, aren't, aren't so positive. And 
I think it, it comes back to discovering kind of your your authenticity and what you really want. Because I, I, it's part of what came out of this for me is that I'm so much more clear now on what I want and what I don't want in my life. And I think that um, we are conditioned to this is what success is. This will make you happy. Get this, do that, be with this person. Um, and you get all you can get all those things and go, wow, I'm not happy. I don't or I don't feel like I'm living a life um, of substance. And I think that I have really found through plant medicine what that means for me. And I and I feel like it's really unlocked the doors of keeping me kind of the road, you know, and un- un- removing those roadblocks that I that I really put in my own way, um, and how to re- now I can remove them myself, and I can look at those things going, okay, why did I, what, why am I responding to this this way? What's this feeling telling me about what I think and what I want and, and what I'm really feeling and what it's about? And I think that that's something that is a gift that I've been given. And I want to share that with other people in a way that's um, healthy and allowing their, you know, allowing me to participate in their journey, but not doing it for them. Um, So it's kind of an extension of what I've learned. That's fantastic. I, I think that that's a really noble pursuit. Just the idea of passing on to others what we have found helpful for ourselves. And I, I actually had a conversation earlier today that I I don't learn something until I teach someone else. Yeah, yes. I can hear that, that spirit in, in what you're sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sadie, I, I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your experience and I'm looking forward to, to staying in touch and keeping keeping tabs on your transition into that new role. And uh, maybe maybe I'll be a client at some point <laughs> for you. <laughs> that would be awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to to be able to talk about this. I think that it's really helped me to kind of make sense of, of my journey and, and share it with others. And, um, you know, I was, I was really excited when I saw your post because it was kind of where I was at, you know, when I, when I first, uh, went in, went into this and, um, I just really appreciate that, that opportunity to share that and, and hopefully, you know, provide some, some context and some more information to help you to decide what you want to do. And also maybe others, you know, in a, in a safe way. <laughs> What we can do, if you're if you're willing, you know, in the notes of this podcast, we can you and I can assemble what you feel might be helpful written resources for people that are listening to this and and want to check it out outside of Pollen's book. If we can put together a, a nice little list of the different resources that you found helpful and and what have you. Absolutely, yeah, um, I would be happy to do that. All right. Well, thanks again for for spending time with me tonight. And I hope I hope your dog's not too mad at me for for grabbing your attention. (laughs) She's over there staring at me right now. (laughs) My dog's probably pissed at me too. So I got to take care of him too. But thanks again, Sadie. And uh, look forward to staying in touch. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Craig. We'll talk soon.